0: record. Hello, Peter. Welcome to the Medicine of Sound podcast. I suppose you will call it. I'm uh, I'm excited to have a conversation with you right now. We're just you just came in the door. We haven't spoke since uh, Johnny's party, which was uh, a long time ago.
1: It was like almost a year ago now. Almost Over. a year ago.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I'm really bad with time. So uh, it it was awesome though. We vibed right away. We we have mutual friends and we know we're into similar stuff. But um, as soon as we came in the door, just started spitting it down about basically carnivore i would say you know we call it keto diet going off of veganism but um it's really really exciting to for me connect with other people that are having really positive results eating the thing that we were not supposed to eat for a period of time during our diet and then actually incorporating what would you say almost the majority of your calories from meat now
1: yeah it's uh let's call it animal-based nutrition right Mm -hmm. um I, ever since I introduced animal products back into my diet, it felt like I got a new lease on life. Like I felt like myself again, almost mm-hmm. like who I was when I was a kid, you know, oh, dude, eating that's what I was just uh, saying. all those foods, my parents cooked for me, uh, all those sort of my, what, what our ancestors ate, right? So just getting back into the rhythm of things, it just feels like. I have a second shot at being who I need to be in this lifetime. So, I mean, I don't see myself ever going back to eating 100% plant-based. Of course, including some fermented vegetables, some homegrown greens is always a good idea. But other than that, it's all about That animal products
0: Mm, I love how you said about going back to when you're kid I was just having this conversation with my friend who we both have been incorporating a lot more meat a lot of ribeye steaks and I said the other day I was like you know what I really feel like I have this lust for life like when I was a kid and um I'm I'm also talking like lust for life sexually man like it's like (laughs) that has changed so much how long were you vegan?
1: I was vegan for four years, but I have a history of dabbling into veganism all the way back to 2011. I had experimented oh, wow. with uh, fruitarianism oh, man, for too, 90 yeah. days, and while it was an interesting experiment, I definitely experienced health problems really quick, mm. um, anything from you know, heart palpitations to just like rapid weight loss and just feeling overall not normal. How are your teeth? You know, let's let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, okay, so we have a lot of crossover with the dieting stuff, man, because so I was vegan for eight years. And during that time, I would say like, there were a lot of yo-yos in health. The yo-yos most particularly had to do with The fact that you have to be so delicate with your macros so much like obviously if you're keto, you have to be delicate with them as well um, and you want to be very focused. But when I was vegan, it was like the macros were destroying me. If I wanted to have more protein, it was like, okay, what am I having? Beans or nuts or seeds or protein powder, all of which were doing nothing good for me. So the yo-yos I felt like that I would experience were um, digestive discomfort and that was doing absolutely nothing. Thing for my lust for life, sex drive, hormones, all of that. Whereas now I'm finding with eating more meat, it's like um, all of everything is balanced and the more that I eat or the more that I need, I should say, because I don't even eat based on nutrition requirements. I just eat based on how hungry I am, which is so much simpler than going like, okay, like I feel like I'm lacking protein. You're never doing that when you're eating animals because it's like a lot of protein and if you're not requiring the protein you'll probably be craving more fat and or you know you you said you've been having some some carbs too some sweet
1: potatoes some 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 sweet potato Yeah, yeah 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 so i think that nutrient sufficiency just becomes an effortless endeavor when you reincorporate animal products into your diet you know uh when you're doing a plant-based diet, you're gonna have to read all this literature about what type of nutrients you should get. You're reading chronometer every day and like making sure that you hit 100% on all your RDAs without realizing that you're not necessarily actually absorbing any of those nutrients. You know, mm-hmm. uh, for example, zinc is harder to absorb on a plant-based diet. Uh, I think there's vitamin K is another issue. So that stuff over time you might have some reserves in your body, but you know there's that kind of vegan deterioration that seems to be so common after the three, five, seven year mark for most people. So it's just a matter of time that most people who end up going vegan, unless they heavily supplement, uh, and I found that sea vegetables were the one thing that almost bridged the gap between, you know, like veganism and animal-based nutrition. It seemed to have something that animal products have a little bit more of in, Mm. but it's just not enough. It feels like, really like the vegan diet to make it work I have to supplement with spirulina every day and protein powder like that just seems silly to me so Mm -hmm. overall I mean it just it seems like a joke it does seem like a joke it
0: seems like a joke that's been played on us by I have no idea what other than our idealism so I would say like there's a really naive idealism that comes along with veganism and that, that, you know, we're doing it usually for the right reasons. A lot of people, like myself included, I thought I was doing it for the right reasons plus health. Whereas a lot of people do it for health plus the other reasons, which is they believe it's good for the environment, they believe that it's good for um, the animals or whatever, right? And I, I don't believe any of that now, not even one single aspect of it, but like, I think it's really, really troubling that we get ourselves trapped into that and the ideologues perpetuate this thing as if it's true. You know, we've got all of these documentaries, all of this stuff coming out. And finally, I feel like a response to that is the carnivore diet and the carnivore movement, which is just amazing to the fact that we've got 10 to 1 documentaries about veganism to carnivore. You know, like it's it's so much different. It's so polarizing. And it literally only takes you maybe a week of eating carnivore or high meat. And we're talking good meats, we're talking grass fed, we're talking all of the good stuff. We're incorporating bone marrow, the whole animal. I'm not sure if you eat liver, but man, all, all of that stuff, you feel that in a week. And I have been saying that. I would rather live one week as a carnivore than one year as a vegan any day, any day, right? It's a very simple experience. It's experiential, right? And your experience cannot be um, downplayed by others because you know it to be true. And when you embody it, people usually get scared and they don't like it they don't like when they see you like vibrant and glowing and you are know, like that shouldn't be the case because my cognitive dissonance is telling me that veganism
1: is is the truth the way and the light right yeah i believe that the main problem here is that our intellectualism has almost disconnected us from our very nature and so over time as we've evolved as a species and we've and our culture has evolved it's almost like the things that we're supposed to be doing we've de-evolved in right Mm. so you know we're sitting in front of computers we're not really incorporating as many natural movements into our lifestyle as we should have so you know it's not it's it's a whole gamut of things that we're doing wrong and veganism is just like a symptom of a larger problem that's going on in society and so it does seem like there is now coming like a kind of the pendulum swinging to the other side and it seems like people are kind of getting more curious about reconnecting with that lost part of their humanity so it's gonna be exciting to see this kind of, this uh, this little battle that's going on between the uh, the carnivore and the vegan uh, ideology, right? So, I mean, I think that ultimately, it, it does seem likely that the truth is somewhere in the middle, right? Like with most things.
0: Mm-hmm. And what's funny is that the battle is not much of a battle at all. When you really look at the results, if you go onto a carnivore, I'm sure the blog say it, but I go on YouTube videos and it's just like the results are like preposterously amazing you know and and I'm not saying to be like full carnivore I don't I don't I don't I wouldn't say I don't believe in that I believe in doing the full animal thing as a cleanse and if it works for you do it until it stops working for you I guess you know like only we know I've done extreme diets just like you have and I found that when it comes down to it there's always a honeymoon phase with a diet and I'll never forget that now you know it's like when you go plant-based you get that honey moon phase or you can even call it a honeymoon high. And that honeymoon high gets us to this place where we go, ah, the veganism must be it because I'm having all of this positive uh, these positive experiences, but really what people are usually experiencing, and everyone knows this to be true, is that when we go from the standard American diet or eating out or just not caring about our food to all of a sudden eating whole foods, obviously we are going to have a lot uh, more beneficial of an experience within that. But what's even better and what's even more profound is prioritizing our diet to the degree that, you know, To eat the way that we're eating now is very expensive. A lot lot of people would be like, oh, man, veganism is expensive. It's like, really, it's not. Like, good cuts of meat and fish and all of that are so much more expensive. And we're not supporting the conventionally farmed stuff. You know, when I'm not, I'm not personally eating pork and anything that's really cheap is like not even in my diet. Like I hardly even eat chicken. You know, grass fed beef is very expensive. And I feel like a lot of people will just not prioritize their diet to the degree based on the stipulation of the expense. And that's one really big thing that um, is interesting about vegetarianism and veganism, right? It's like if you're living off of rice and beans and dairy as a vegetarian and having veggies and fruit and stuff like it's really it's going to be a catastrophically different uh, ballpark of your budget and people will not even often consider it because of that what do you think about that being a a person where we already live in a very expensive place you know we live in a a place where it's hard to make ends meet just based on rent and common expenses then incorporating a expensive diet how are you how are you doing it
1: so What I would say here is that it's very important to prioritize your health because that's how you're going to maximize the amount of value you can provide to society, to others, to yourself. And by adding value, you're going to be able to create value and you're going to be able to earn more money. So essentially, taking care of yourself in those ways, it's kind of like how the law of attraction works. You're creating the circumstances so that you um, can maximize the conditions for you to be monetarily sound so um, like for example I can even liken this to something like a lot of people argue about overpopulation right well if everybody was to decide that let's not have children then what's the point of even creating the world to be a better place so you see, a lot of us we're motivated to take care of the planet because we're sort of we're selfishly invested in the copies of ourselves that we've generated through mm-hmm. you know procreation. Mm-hmm. So in the same way, like ultimately, the the sort of the downsides that you know, like for example, the monetary downsides of incorporating more uh, high quality foods into your diet kind of make, make you kind of put a fire under your ass to kind of, uh, make, make it work. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you can sit around and eat rice and beans all you want. And then you, you're just going to lounge and watch Netflix all day because you don't, you don't need to spend all that money. But if you, incorporate those expensive foods, not only are you gonna feel healthier, but you're gonna uh, you're gonna have that drive to be able to, you know, be the best version of yourself. So I think ultimately it might be expensive in the beginning, but you're gonna find a newfound willpower to kind of create more. And I think things will start falling into place for you over time um, when you when you start becoming yourself again.
0: Mm. I like that because I found that to be exceptionally true. Is the input output thing? You know, I'm, I'm now. You know, prior to this, I don't know what I was spending 30 dollars a day ish on on food. Now I'm at like fifty to sixty dollars a day. That's like fifteen hundred dollars a month. But my productivity has gone through the roof. But not only my productivity, like. It's almost like I care less about that now because my state of being, my body, like just residing in my physical body feels so much better. It's not even comparable to what I was experiencing before telling you I'd rather live like seven days like this. Um, I feel like we need less entertainment because it's entertaining just to be ourselves. And that's something where, you know, we could really go into like a whole of Eastern spirituality, like what they all teach. They're teaching that kind of, you know, at the the temples in a vegetarian way and in a very low uh, low nutrition way. And the thing is that I find about, about that way of doing things, obviously, is um, one of the things they talk about often is to be okay with suffering and that our body is going to contain pain. And, you know, you sit with that pain and you become friends with it and all of this stuff. And, my philosophy now is that if your body experiences pain, there's something wrong. You need to do something different, right? And this is the this is the um difference between the full acceptance of what is and the changing of what is into what we prefer it to be, right? And yeah, to, to be just accepting a pain. Like let's say, let's say um we were, let's say we were a fruitarian and we start to get toothaches, right? This is a sign and a symptom that this diet is not really working for you. You know, you just switch something up. I was experiencing a lot of tooth pain, tooth aches, um, really like mm, thin enamel on my teeth. All of that that was happening very, very quickly, and I ignored it because I just was like so hard, uh, hardcore, and steadfast about the diet. But when, when we're, when we're Looking at that as like a symptom, and we go, okay, that's a symptom of something going wrong. Well, when we incorporate the foods that we're talking about, I want to hear from you. What are the symptoms that are negatives that you have experienced with this diet? Because I think it's only fair to talk about the negatives of every diet that we've done, so that we can we can really uh, be clear on. How much of our pain, our physical body pain and our issues are from our own fault of the foods that we are consuming due to the inflammation and how much is it because we are just flawed, you know, carbon copies of our ancestors that clearly contained a problem. You know, I had this long-winded question and and
1: I think thought. the answer to this is actually kind of surprising to even myself as I started figuring this out. And, and that is, when I was vegan, I had an easier excuse socially to not eat certain foods. But after kind of, um, from an outside perspective, the people will look at me and be like, oh, Peter's eating a normal diet again because he's eating animal products. But if anything, in some sense... When people get to know me and how I eat, they might be like, oh, it's even more extreme now. <laughs> and so so people get almost offended more when you don't want to eat what they're eating because it's like they, they think you have like some sort of superiority complex or whatever, but you're just like you've just kind of gotten in touch with the foods that your body responds to optimally. Mm-hmm. And so I think socially it's really difficult to explain to people, like like for for me now, like I sometimes you know there's a whole philosophy of you know our cheat meals okay and uh, I don't really do cheat meals when I'm by myself I like eating just good food right but if I'm in a social setting I just treat that as like a time if I really want to and I don't want to kind of be all weird you know I I just let loose a little bit and that is my cheat meal and uh, and then I find that that works okay because I find that a lot of people, let's say they have donuts when they're, you know, every Saturday I have a cheat meal and I eat five donuts. It's like, well, then what if you're hanging out with your friends the next day and you're like, oh, now I can't eat these donuts because I had donuts yesterday. Mm -hmm. It's like you get all neurotic and I want to eliminate as much neuroticism around my diet as possible. So, Mm -hmm. you know, every now and then you're going to be hanging out with people who aren't into the diet as intensely. And, uh, you know, you try your best to kind of eat up before you go out so that you don't have to kind of eat as much when you're out and of uh, foods that you might not be uh th- you know they're not that enjoyable for you in terms of how it feels afterwards mm. but ultimately i think that was like the main downside like and that's a lot to say about how in terms of how i actually feel physically i mean my digestion improved my teeth feel stronger my sleep is better um i i my i mean i've been running every day for 50 days i i uh i've never been able to do that in my life and so my recovery is amazing i i honestly don't have a downside to give you what about okay so let's talk about po- positives then. uh what about stretching yeah so um just automatically without even stretching when i stretch i'm more flexible because of the less the lower inflammation right <laughs> totally yeah. And um, I, I feel like
0: I don't need to stretch, but when I do stretch, I'm better at it, even comparatively to when I was trying to continually stretch. Otherwise, you know, so uh yeah, like there's there's this openness that I feel like happens within our muscles and tendons. I've noticed that in particularly my tendons of my hips, how wide I can go, how low I can go, um, pigeon poses, all, all of that, that kind of thing, because at the end of me training, I usually do weights and then I just do Um, uh, deep yoga postures after and I've been doing that for quite some time and since switching over it's been like wow man I can go not only can I also train continually like you're saying without breaks like I I can take days off if I need to I'm doing it slightly different because I'm getting I'm hitting my muscles super hard so there's some days where I'm just like extremely sore and there's nothing I really want to do but I could always go there and do abs or something abs and rotator cuff and something simple but like yeah i don't feel like i need days off it almost feels now like you shouldn't have days off and you think about our our ancestors like did they have days off probably not (laughs) you know like i have no idea maybe (laughs) i
1: mean it it seems like for them it was just small continuous like improvements you start like for example we can take the idea of people tanning Mm -hmm. right um let's say it's winter time and you want to go to hawaii and then you go out there, you're going to have to put some sunscreen on or else you're going to get burnt. Mm-hmm. But the reason you're going to get burnt isn't because Hawaii, the sun is too intense. It's because you haven't given yourself time to adapt to that stimulus. Mm. So if you were back back in the day, a Native American, and you're outside all day from winter to summer, as the seasons change, your your body is going to adapt to the growing intensity of that sunlight. Mm. So in the same way, if we you know start eating our healthy diet from when we we're young, you know, uh, breastfed, all that stuff, um, then we're, we're just going to be able to, like, we're not going to need to stretch. We're just, we're just living a normal, mm. happy human life. Like, we're not, we're just moving naturally, eating naturally, uh, doing the things that we would be doing in, in like those small tribes that we were in. And so um, right now, like a lot of people might have an adjustment phase when they're kind of getting back to living kind of a more natural lifestyle because they've, it's like a little bit of a shock to the system, but something like reincorporating high amounts of animal products, like you said earlier, kind of like as a cleanse, like even going a bit like carnivore, like 100%, I think it's a good idea because it's almost like you're making up for years of kind of uh, nutritional neglect, mm. right? And so uh, that's one of those kind of techniques, those, the, the way you can get back to your base quicker, You know, now that we have increased access to animal products with modern agriculture and everything, I think, uh, you know, if we do it the right way, we can really um, save ourselves from, you know, uh, this sort of degeneration that's happening in our culture. I mean, uh, just ultimately, like if you if you're eating, you know, chips and Coca-Cola every day, you know, even though you're not vegan, you're you're, you're, like when you think about it, um, people are eating a plant based diet. Right. Like like the majority of culture right now is is eating plant based diets. Um, Pretty sure most burgers people eat are plant based.
0: <laughs> they literally more. toss a bunch of wood chips in there or whatever they're oh, putting. Man. I don't know what filler they're putting
1: in, but it's probably less meat than we think it is. You know. And when you're a vegan, you're so extreme into the plant based movement. You look at everybody, you're like, they're eating so much meat. But then once you start eating meat again, you're like, wow, people aren't eating enough meat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly, dude. That's exactly. We are not eating enough meat and not eating enough good meat. So this, okay, so do you feel like, this is is what I believe, is that for all of the dieting and yo-yoing that I've done and exploring, okay, um... I have some I have some friends that have already just discovered carnivore and keto a long time ago before before it was cool okay mm-hmm. I got a friend that's like just turned 49 today actually and he's been eating these kind of diets, and uh, just loves it, doesn't doesn't have to cheat, doesn't have to think about it, just eats primarily meat, and when he has cheat days, he doesn't really care because he knows he can get right back into it, and he has the discipline to do it, and he does uh, extensive endurance uh, marathoning and stuff, so he also has a little bit more room for error than the average person that isn't doing that, but what I found is for him... um, he has learned a certain degree of discipline, but the discipline hasn't been earned because it was so obvious. So this is what I'm gonna say for, for us. Because we got our diet so wrong for so long, we had to actually earn a high degree of discipline. So much to the point that now that we are keto carnivore and or eating a very tailored diet for our needs, um, that discipline is effortless. It's effortless to the point that like, I, don't, I personally don't have to think ab- about it because I was putting so much more effort into doing something that was giving significantly lesser results. So now, though, however, I do believe that that discipline that we earned in those other areas is multifaceted and applies to other areas of our life.
1: Would you speak to, to, to that? Does that resonate? Do you, do... It resonates 100%. Mm. So, for example, I would say I had a pretty strong addiction to cannabis um, through my adolescence. And, uh, you know, so much so that there was points in my life where I was willing to put a lot aside to keep getting high. Mm. And one of the benefits of this was that once I decided to stop using cannabis so much and more like a sacrament nowadays, uh, I had so much room Mm. to just focus because... It wasn't like I was just like using cannabis a little bit here and there. I was, it was, you know, taking up a majority of my life. So it was kind of like people who have had an addiction, for example, um, they, when they give that up, it's like they actually become, if they're able to, to overcome those urges, they develop a much stronger discipline than somebody who never had the addiction in the first place. So that kind of goes along with this idea that, like you know, for example, with veganism, it's almost like an addiction. It's like an egoic addiction to sort of this this moral high ground that you feel you're on. You want to be part of the club. You want to have that V card, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you're just so it's it's a sort of it's a it's a disease of identity, right? And and, it's, and I I
0: had to be completely honest with myself. It, I did it because I was holier than thou, you know, and it goes hand in hand with uh, the spiritual ego, you know, like, in general, if you look at the reason why people are vegan or why people are plant based, and then you start to hear some of their other arguments towards like consciousness, and it enhances your vibration and all of these other froofy woo woo words that sound nice, and they sound like they could and should be true, in a certain light, in a certain like angle of our consciousness, when we shine a certain lens and we go, Oh yeah, well that, you know, yeah, that that makes sense and if this makes sense then therefore this makes sense and therefore fruit must be the most healing and healthy and high vibrational thing because it's the got the lowest amount of density in it. Now we've gone completely opposite, right? And we're like, okay, let's choose the densest thing, you know, and utilizing the densest thing, now we're getting a complete opposite result, which I would also beg to differ that we don't want to lighten our physical vibration. We want to deepen it. We want to root it, and we want to have extremely strong foundation. If we don't have a foundation, we don't have anything to stand on. And um, this this is just something that seems... So obvious now that we're on the other side of it, but so um, hard to understand when you're in the grips of the idealism and everyone else um, reinforcing your perspective and obviously if you're vegan you're just looking at vegan stuff you know you just continually go down that that route um, One thing I liked to, to point out um, actually I, I should ask you what was your anxiety level like when you're vegan versus now?
1: I would say my anxiety level was like almost like I was constantly drinking coffee Mm -hmm. you know it was uh it was i could feel kind of this um jitteriness you know uh, jumping from left to right you know i i an add that was unmanageable and if anything that probably was one of the reasons it it kind of exacerbated my need for something like cannabis you Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. it uh it was you know it kind of goes hand in hand you know like vegans uh aren't necessarily like they might have the healthiest diet but when you kind of take you know peel back the layers you see that there's other things that are kind of being neglected and it's possibly the fact that they just don't have that base Mm -hmm. you know so they're kind of reaching for other vices to be able to kind of stabilize themselves so uh, like you were saying earlier the idea that like taking care of your health almost makes the rest of your life flow easier. You don't need to kind of distract yourself with so much materialism and uh, sort of just like brainwashing that's out there, right? Like, I, you know, I enjoy a show or a movie to, from time to time. Of course, it's a piece of art, but um, I'm so much more invested in, in producing mm-hmm. and creating something mm-hmm. of my own, mm-hmm. and uh, I wasn't like that when I was a vegan.
0: Right, so... One thing about creativity that I've I've learned uh, in my o- own experience is that I have a family where when I was growing up we just they basically created the idea that we are not really a very creative family um, or, or it doesn't run in our DNA right But my family also didn't eat very healthy whatsoever. I'm the I am like literally the waybringer of eating healthy or what I would say more truthfully is that I'm the one that brought discipline to diet because looking back in hindsight, I don't think all of my choices were very healthy. However, I brought discipline to diet and they could see that like, oh, through, dis- through ex- uh, exercising discipline, I was still having significantly better results even being vegan than someone that was just eating whatever dairy and chocolate and binging on stuff and eating o- o- over on cake. But now, now that I um, have harmonized a lot of different aspects physically, I see it as when we have a surplus of energy to a high degree, you cannot help but be creative. It's impossible not to be, right? It's like you just, you just have this like flowing, this bursting forth. You, you don't have, it's not like you don't have the willpower to watch a movie. It's that you don't have the, and it's not that you don't even have the patience, it's that you don't. Need to it's like it's like there's an incessant need to create as opposed to like a need to relax and just let go right and this is something where when you experience it it's this is why I would rather spend seven days you know than an entire year because. Being in this state of creativity and exertion and flow and being like high on your hormones or whatever you want to call it, man, there's just so many positives where that creativity just naturally aligns and even better, it aligns with other people who are creative because, you know, you ask someone to, you know, you ask a normal friend to come over and roll a podcast. And like, this is like, we've only, this is our second time hanging out, right? It's like, that would normally be a very weird thing to do. It would be a thing where someone else who isn't in a creation flow mode would be like, what, man? Like, like, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I, I don't have my head in the game that I may, I might say something stupid or whatever people think about when they think about getting into creation mode. You know, it's like, I don't have the energy for it. I work today, whatever. We're just like, bam, we're doing it, Right. And that creativity is, like, I th- I believe is our birthright, right? I believe our natural state is joy. Our natural expression is literally love. Like, that's just what we want to do. But if we're not feeling good on the inside, if we're feeling anxiety, we feel like people are out to get us. Like, this is the thing that's hand-in-hand about anxiety, is, like, it comes part and parcel with negative thoughts because we th- our mind wants to fix something. So if our body is say, giving us anxiety signals... It means our mind is going at the same time. How, how do we fix this? Oh, maybe it's them. Maybe, maybe it's them. Maybe you got to cut them out. Maybe you got to do this. Maybe you got to do that. But then you get to a state where you don't have that anxiety and you're just overflowing with love and appreciation and creativity. It's like, man, all I had to do was start eating a buttload of meat? Who knew? Who knew?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's like let's take back – let's get empowered, right? Let's, mm. let's use whatever tools we have at our disposal to become – uh, as leveled up as we can, right? And like, I have this, um, this idea about really what, what, what the goal of our lives are ultimately throughout our lifespan. And, and uh, there's a psychological concept, it's, it's called valence. And valence is like the degree to which a, a mental state is either aversive or uh, attractive right, so, you know, suffering can be thought of as an aversive state, you know, you cut somebody's arm off, that's an extreme example, but it is not a state I want to be in right now, a state of anxiety is not a state I want to be in right now, but a state of community, of family, of, of creativity, like, of, uh, of fulfillment, of purpose, like, those are states that are positive, that are I'm attracted to, right, and, um, like life like we're we're living in like from time slice to time slice and ultimately like we have two choices we either can live in a state of negative valence or positive valence so we want to make sure that we can do whatever we can to optimize for positive valence to for everybody you know so we can bring everybody up and, and live a more joyful uh, life with less suffering right and it's it's like this kind of denial of the body that is so strange in these ascetic traditions in the East, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's almost like they've kind of like given up. They're like, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to die. Like there's impermanence. So what is the point? Like, let us not attach. But what about just building up a really big ego, right? And, and knowing that that ego will dissolve at one point, but that's not, that's not a big deal, right? It's like, you know, you play a game, like, like, like an RPG game, and at the end of the season, the ladder resets. But does that mean that you're not going to keep playing and leveling up? Yeah, you enjoy it while it lasts. So in the same way, just, just while we are in this incarnation, like just build up and, and share that energy, share that empowerment with other people. Bring everybody up around you, and, and we can kind of become capable of things that we can't even imagine Right, So I think that this obsession with small egos, with kind of disempowering ourselves, it's, it's I don't know, maybe a relic of, of a religious past. right? And uh, we, I think this is a unique opportunity with not only the resurgence of sort of natural diets, but with the resurgence of like uh, the psychedelic renaissance. right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that we're kind of getting back in touch with what it means to really be human.
0: I like that i wanna i wanna go dive in because i i don't know what you know or what you've you've studied but i just wanted to touch on one thing which i found very interesting when i studied a long time ago and it was the taoist i don't know who it was but he was speaking to transcending the veil so transcending the veil often is seen as this woo-woo thing ascending or like being able to be in the spirit world simultaneously as the physical world or transcending the veil is just getting past our our inherent um monkey mind and it having control over us you know transcending the veil of our um lack of inability to basically I, I would actually call it lack of inability to have free will we're at at a whim or at mercy of all of the thoughts of our ancestors and all of the drives and needs of our ancestors and now we're going oh like I can't I can't function so he was taught talking to transcending the veil in a way that you can do it by having extremely low vitality or extremely high vitality. So the Taoists will often talk about all of these like elixirs and different things that will bring your vitality up right um, I often touch on why people in the East um, really love their aphrodisiacs well, It was because of the diets that they were eating. If you're eating a rice-based diet, you have to love your aphrodisiacs. You're not gonna have the best hormones, and if they didn't have a lot of access to good quality cuts of of meat, they need to have these herbs, which are basically gonna get them a hormonal high, because it's a a short-lived high, and then now they're they're experiencing a yo-yo effect. However, if your hormones were already high, because you're already eating meat, and then you incorporate these herbs, you literally can get to a transcendent degree of physical and hormonal highs, right? Which to me, when I read that, I remember reading that a long time ago. And I was like, well, getting to a high physical vitality sounds a lot better than a low one, right? And the low vitality, though, is so much easier to attain. The reason being is because, well, even the, the tradition that I was trained under in Peru, um, it was that you eat a very basic diet, which is basically rice, and the small amount of veggies, legumes, and no oils, right? So we're having zero fat. So you're basically on a very low vitality diet where you're able to observe yourself from a completely different perspective. And then you start incorporating a high degree of fasting within that. You get to see what you're made of, but you also get to transcend the veil of your normal wants and desires. Because I, I do get it we run the risk of when we get high on our hormones that we can become completely hijacked by them at the same time. So we're playing a little bit of a more dangerous game. But because I feel like we've already experienced the contrast, right, and I feel like that's what it's all about, this whole journey of diet is all about experiencing contrast. And that's why in the ancient times they'd be doing fasts because it was a very easy way for them to transcend their normal state of consciousness. Um, Obviously incorporating psychedelics, does it as well but in the east this is my my philosophy because people would be talking about like yo yeah what so what what's your thoughts actually but before i i I go into it what are your thoughts on nofap
1: that's great that you brought that up um so i think that there's kind of two sides to this coin i think that like semen retention and nofap um kind of were birthed out of the need in ancient traditions because they weren't getting enough nutrition that they they felt <laughs> Did I already
0: tell you that <laughs> that's what I was the, going to say <laughs> they felt
1: the, the boost in the energy now if you want to go god mode right you you have a high level of nutrition and you do nofap but you don't get extreme about it right that's why they nofap is more directed towards people who suffer from porn addiction right mm. but in terms of, I think, semen retention, like a kind of a, a healthy balance of, of, of controlling your urges, and I don't think you want to get obsessive. You know, like, for example, you know, Genghis Khan, he was a badass, right? And uh, I'm pretty sure he had uh, many thousands of babies, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, he was able to keep producing them, no problem. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that, you know, again, the truth is somewhere in the middle. We, we shouldn't get too... Uh, obsessive about going hundred percent all in and anything, we should always explore the contrast. We should always explore both sides mm. of the coin right. So, it, so would you say it's more case specific? Yeah, like I think it, it's dependent on the person's um, individual history. Mm. I think it's a it's a good a good tool, especially um, you know there's there's it's it's kind of related to this idea of a dopamine detox, yeah, or dopamine discipline. Absolutely. so if you want to go kind of like, you know, uh, there's some some uh, terms online. You know, nightmare mode, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like you're 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 abstaining from not only uh, you know fapping, but you are abstaining from social media. You are, and if you you know, you can easily burn out in that kind of state. So it's something that you can use as a tool to get into hyper focus for a short period of time, anywhere from I would imagine like one to two months. I mean, you can accomplish a lot in that period of time, and then you know, ease back a little bit you know, have a little bit of fun, right? I think that life is ultimately about enjoying it. So if, if, if you're like, I'm going to be really productive, I'm doing all this, like, well, ask yourself, like, what are you doing it for, right? Is mm-hmm. this another, like, sort of deficiency in your ego? Your is it feeling- another compulsion, mm-hmm.
0: right? Because this is the one thing that I see is that the dopamine detox is to manage our compulsions. If you actually look at it, so let's touch on Eastern spirituality, Buddhists and and Buddhism and checking yourself into a temple is the ultimate dopamine detox. Okay. That they are the masters of it, they are the creators of it. The fact that people are trying to call this thing, it's like you're literally doing monk life. That's literally what you're doing. Monk mode. (laughs) Nightmare mode is just being a monk, right? It's like, and that's really awesome. It's a dopamine detox. And Buddha ultimately discovered. This is the thing. This is the interesting thing about the 40 days. And we know that in order to reprogram any of your habits, it takes 40 days. So maybe what the Buddha ultimately discovered was free will, free from all compulsions after 40 days. He fully earned free will. This is something that was coming through last week as I was like, wow, this is is the truth. We can earn free will. This is something that is not our birthright. This is something that is our, our like... Earned through discipline, dopamine detox, kind of kind of thing, and I see it totally as if we have a compulsion towards porn, if we have a compulsion towards masturbation, if we have a compulsion towards eating food, whatever, um, that means we should definitely tailor our our consumption of it, um, our flow of what we want to do. But another thing, which is a compulsion, is the entrepreneurial get everything done. That's a compulsion, right? Is it? Is it like? What? Why are we doing it? Is it because we don't feel good about ourselves unless we do that? It's like, does um, the dopamine high that we get from jacking off, does does that ultimately bring us to a point where we're like, oh, I, f- I feel good? No. like th- This is the thing. I feel like the thing that people are changing normally is from compulsion to compulsion. And I think that's a good thing. I think changing your compulsions from non-productive compulsions to more productive ones is better. Just like if you change your drug of choice from heroin to cannabis, that's awesome. And then if you change it from cannabis to porn, it's like... I don't know i don't know what's better man i was like that's a toss-up right it's like you don't you you kind of want to get to a a a point where you can see the compulsion within a heroin addiction you're kind of like you're too physically entrenched in it and too physically addicted to it that you're not even able to see the compulsion it's just like it's inherent in your body whereas like when we start to notice those mental compulsions we got to go like anything we are feeling compelled to do that's the thing you want to not do right just like i tell people if uh you're feeling compelled to eat a certain food that means that's a food you should not eat like people will often tell me that they crave broccoli i'm like you don't freaking crave broccoli that just that's not a craving that is like a that is like a a, a feeling of of a need but you're not going to be like oh if i don't get broccoli today man i'm going to be so choked whereas a lot of people if they don't get their their whatever treat you know it's like it's like i need it i need it like i can't think of anything else you're not doing that about broccoli right so we're we're doing the the thing that whenever we notice a compulsion towards a thing a behavior we we dopamine detox from that we literally sit there go monk mode observe ourselves desiring it and wanting it um, while simultaneously sometimes going from the contrast of monk mode to full indulgence to see what we actually get out of it. If there's anything actually in it for us that we we have, that's a sustainable um, um, enrichment of our, our lives. Whereas, um, you know, in moderation, cannabis can be amazing in moderation watching porn when you're a single man can be amazing but what's your moderation like that's the truth right and i guess we don't really necessarily need to touch on that but how many nuts do you bust a week bro approximately
1: well uh you know i i uh go through phases right like we were just talking about so i mean um you know I'm, i'm gonna be completely honest uh, I've experimented with using using psychedelics while watching pornography. Right? Mm-hmm. I wanted to experience like what how much pleasure is possible, right mm-hmm. I, I'm a single male right now, so mm-hmm. that was what was accessible, right, right. And you know, it, I, I kind of came to the conclusion that you know it brought me down a rabbit hole of of understanding that more or less, you know that's the future we're headed to, right? It's like um cheap, convenient pleasure. you know, we see fast food. we see, uh, you know all of these things being available cheaply produce i mean we're gonna have sex bots one day right so and to answer the question i would say um right now i'm actually doing no fat but not actually purposefully mm-hmm. i just don't have the time you mm-hmm. know i i've been uh i've been just just so busy but uh you know i still have some urges, so when i go back to it i'll probably be busting a nut you know like Couple times a week. Couple times a week. That's so. That's what's
0: up. That's what's up. So this is the this is the thing that I realized when I was vegan. uh, I was inherently doing no fat because I wouldn't say couldn't get boners, but they weren't very good. They weren't very fun. Okay, so I was just like, just wasn't even worth it. I wasn't enjoying it. And if I ever was with a woman, I was like, I feel bad for you. That was not very good. You know, like, and I can fully and truthfully say that, that our hormones dictate how well we do. It, it, it affects it so, so much. But um, if we have a sufficient amount of nutrients coming through our bodies, I don't believe that there's going to be any negative consequences from twice per week. You know, if if you're doing it, this is the thing. Like, even realistically, if you have a special moment, you're with a female and you don't see her very often and it's like two or three times in a day, guess what? That next day, you're going to know it. And if you, this is the one thing that people don't notice very often because they go, they don't want to admit it, right? So we eat the cheesecake and we eat too much. And the next day we feel like crap or we're super tired and we didn't have a good sleep. And then we don't know what did it. We just say, oh, it's just we're having an off day. Those, those don't exist. When you really tailor your diet and you tailor your lifestyle, off days do not exist. They, uh, off decisions exist. And we can, always trigger it back to the decision that we made. So if I go okay, yeah, it was like, you know, busting three times yesterday like that. I'm I'm tired today. But if we can accept that high and accept that low, it doesn't really do anything negative to us. It just it's just a choice, right? And and if we see it as a choice, it's like, well, in that moment, realistically, if you're conscious enough, you'll be like, okay, I'm going to be tired t- tomorrow, but it's worth it because I have this person here and we want to have this experience. And I think that's the the key of the incorporation is that when we do that, and then we have the, the negative experience after, whatever the, that experience is, we just own it. And we just go, yeah, this is obviously what's going to happen. And maybe I'm going to drink, uh, maybe I have an extra coffee to counterbalance us. Maybe that was a bad idea depending on what our physical makeup is. But I love the idea of just getting into the flow of of owning where we're doing something that's going to bring us low energy. But then after the fact, doing everything that we can to bring ourselves back to equilibrium, which might mean we do it three times that night and then we don't do it for a week, right? It's like, there you go. Your vitality has returned. Um, there's nothing worse than reading some of those Taoist books where they're telling you that like, it's depleting constantly. And then like, by the time you're, you're 40, like you're, you're going to experience burnout, dude. And you're like, oh man, if that were the case, why would our physical body be giving us literally like, I don't normally bust because I'm like, I want to, mentally want to watch porn. I feel like my body is going to explode. Like I literally feel like I can't get anything done. I don't. I. I don't feel like I'm more productive in those moments. I feel like I'm less productive, and I want to do it so that I get more productive, right? And get get clear in the 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 head, you know. And it's a really good. It's a good feeling. It's good because all around, it's our body telling us what to do and how to flow. And when we notice the signals, we just stay within its flow. We stay within its natural charm. You know, it's like, oh yeah, just follow the trail. Like, oh, I felt a low energy after that. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm aware now, okay? And then we just follow and we don't beat ourselves up, but we don't deny either, you know? It's this perfect balance point of like enjoying, but not overindulging, right?
1: Yeah, no, I agree 100%. You know, uh, you don't want to beat yourself up for beating yourself off. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so um, <laughs> I think that, you know, we can think of it like, you're not going to go through life never having a slice of cheesecake again. I mean, if, if you like cheesecake, mm-hmm. right? So why is it all of a sudden such a big deal to, like, we get so obsessed with never watching porn again or never busting a nut again. I think there's somewhere in the middle. Like, for example, me and you both realize for the majority of the time, it uh, feeling healthy feels better than junk food tastes good, right? Mm-hmm. So in the same way, we know that um, there's a certain limit to how much we can kind of do things that are overindulging. We kind of know that um, if we go overboard, we're going to feel that negative. And so, I mean, there's something, I mean, even when it comes to sexual energy, I mean, there's a whole play in between of between abstinence and busting. There's that whole in between of just like having, you know, like, I mean, if you, I'm sure you understand what edging is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great feeling, it's mm-hmm. a great experience. And you're not, and you're, and you're enjoying the journey. You know, like uh, the majority of life is is not really about getting to the destination because you're just going to be, it's going to be anticlimactic, mm-hmm. right? It's all, it's over, mm-hmm. right? So if we could kind of get get into the journey, get into the moment and enjoy that part of it, you know, I think we're going to get a lot more value about, um, about whatever we're doing right i mean i have a ton of memories about waiting for my drug dealer when he was coming to deliver weed when i was when i was younger right like that that's hilarious memories right And i wasn't even getting high mm-hmm. so in the same way like you know anything in life we we have to kind of uh be present you know mm-hmm. every every moment is is a gift mm. so i think that if we look at it that way um even people who are addicted to heroin when you get off heroin you're you're really glad but you know what's wrong with looking back at some of those highs fondly, Mm. right? Um, You you obviously were doing them for a reason, Mm. right? So I think that the whole spectrum of human experience has some sort of value no matter what it involves. Mm. Well, one of the big
0: reasons why people don't look at them fondly is due to the fear, right? And I feel like when we are responding to life based on fear, we are having a certain type of experience, right? And we could go deep down this rabbit hole forever. I think I need to write a book based on all of the reasons and ways we choose fear and how it serves us but it usually serves us to not take action, to not take ownership, to negate our past, to ignore a conversation that might be hard. There's all of these reasons why fear ends up trumping our ability to just accept, receive, and love the the things that we've chosen to do. And yeah, the anticipation of, of a high, it's funny because I can remember some of the fondest experiences I had and this was like well, this was like a moment of sobriety, right? When I was a I was a kid, probably 18. I was driving to a party, and I remember on the way there, I was just so stoked and so excited, and I could not wait. And I was like, "Whoa, I'm not. I haven't even done anything yet. I'm just sitting in a car, and I have more joy and excitement than I'm going to even have at the party." And I remember at that moment being like, "Why don't I get more stoked more often on other moments when I'm just in a car, right?" But understanding too that there's a high degree of contrast i was experiencing in that moment which was working all week not liking that and then now i get to finally hang out with my friends go hang out with girls who knows who i'm going to meet all of these like exciting ideas are the anticipation of it but in the same token i look back on my past and all of those parties and all of those times as like they helped shape me who i am who i am today i don't regret any of it and even when I have people, so I had a, a friend ask me recently um, and kind of point out, he's like, he's like, man, I'm like really battling with my addictions and like, I, I just really want to do cocaine. And um, so I'll let you answer that question and we'll we'll go in there. So if a friend came to you and you know that they're an addict and they said, hey man, like I really want to do coke, like I just want you to know that, right? Because he, 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 he almost comes from an angle of wanting to put the responsibility on to you, right? What what would you what, what would you say? Would you would
1: you care? I wouldn't enable him, but I wouldn't care. You know, mm-hmm. I would uh, I don't want to put the responsibility on myself. It's ultimately on him. Mm-hmm. I'm there to support him and um, I think that a lot of people put a lot of energy, a little too much energy into stopping Mm -hmm. right we have to stop stopping and start starting Mm -hmm. so like i found that you know whatever i wanted to stop came easiest when i just started following what i wanted to do on the inside even when like let's say you smoke cigarettes and you want to start running but you're like ah, i can't ever run because my cardio is shit it's like just go out for a run and over time, you might start meeting people, and when you pull out a cigarette in front of them, they're going to be like, hey, man, well, come on, man, you don't need to smoke that. Or you're going to start noticing that your cardio is improving. But maybe while you smoke cigarettes, you notice, oh, like, this is kind of affecting my progress. And over time, you're just naturally going to resonate with the thing that you want to do. So just kind of follow the things that you want to do regardless of where you're at in life, and you're, you're going to more easily detach from that old identity. Mm. And so I would support my friend, not in stopping cocaine, but in starting being the person he wants to be. Mm. And so whatever that is, I would be there for him.
0: Right. And that that goes along the lines with the law of attraction, which is focus on the thing you do want to do, not on the thing you don't want to do, right? And like, we inherently summon the experience, like the thoughts and the feelings and the sensations into our experience. And then now it becomes a craving when we aren't already doing something we want to do, right? So I I actually gave him a a dose of like, um, first off, I, I, I actually told him, I was like, well, yeah, 'm you're telling the wrong person like i don't i don't care if you do it right and he was like oh that's a relief because like this is the thing is sometimes sometimes it does serve us to have you know naturally in our society things that we see and we go like cigarettes don't don't do that man right if he was gonna bust out cocaine in front of me different story i'd be like i'm leaving right so that that is taking an action however knowing that he wants to do it at some point or for whatever reason it's very hard for me to get behind to 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 get behind going like okay i'm going to talk you out of this it's like i i i did not require being talked out of doing a drug so that's what where i know and then uh i also just kind of said i was like well The reason why this is even coming up for you to begin with is because you're not creating the life that you want to create, right? And that's the key in this exact same thing that you said is that, you know, start focusing on the thing you do want to do and then the thing that you don't want to do ultimately will get in the way. It always will get in the way, especially if it's something that's already feeling like it could be a hindrance to us energetically or with our focus, or with just like how we spend our time throughout the week. Because when we're utilizing drugs, you know, we have this, um, high experience and then we have the low experience and what I would call the recovery phase. And when we're in the recovery phase, it's kind of like, um, let's say you go party Friday and you party Saturday, you're literally in recovery until Thursday. Thursday is your first day usually back where you're like a 100% and then it's Friday again. You know, you got one day of clarity and you don't have to, this is the thing that we don't have to focus on getting anything done. So that's why the, the doing drugs, getting high and then the recovery phase is so appealing to so many people but it's the same thing with food it's the binging on food and then you you know it takes a couple days sometimes a few days for it to pass through and then by the time it passes through you're doing it again depending on how severe your addiction is but when we start to notice that and we go oh man like this is taking like three days out of my week if I go party or three days out of my week if I have a cheat meal you know like I'm not back to 110 percent right I'm like First day I'm at like 60, 70%, and then like 80%, and then 90%, and then back, right? Um by wanting by creating something. So for myself, I'm going on camera all the time, right? I gotta be a game, dude. You can't be cheating, you can't be having a puffy, bloated face when you're when you're on the camera, right? You gotta you gotta be on your, your a game. So I found for myself by having something that I have a responsibility to, right? And this is one thing that I notice, especially for us single dudes is that if you don't have a responsibility to something, you don't necessarily have a reason to make responsible decisions. So one of the greatest things obviously is having a family. You know, you have something to have a responsibility to. Um, And to touch on what you said at the beginning was we have the responsibility now to our bodies to now upkeep this diet which is excessively expensive and now we go okay now i have to create in order to be able to sustain myself because of this diet but this diet also it's a feedback mechanism for me being able to have more energy so i really want to sustain it and there's like this 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 thing where it gives us a new um meaning for life and and it's kind of like a funny thing because it's like a a a two-edged sword because it's like well do, do you really need meaning to be that it's like well if that's what our meaning is, then yes, for sure, right? So you know, we're we're probably spending the amount that a small family would on on their m- monthly budget often, right? And like, yeah, it's yeah, my it, grocery
1: it, bill just for like the like for three four days right now is two hundred dollars. So
0: <laughs> yeah, mine. Yeah, I'm spending about fifteen hundred per month ish, and like. I'm not caring though. This is the first time where I've said money is no object. I'm eating what I want to eat in the quantities that I want to eat them, right? I'm not going to like eat twice as much avocado when i want to have more steak you know i'm just going to eat whatever my body is telling me to to eat in those moments and um who knows maybe i'll, I'll eat some berries because i've been thinking about eating them for a couple of days and it of seems course
1: kind of i mean idea. they're in season they're right in season now. right now exactly. right i just exactly. bought
0: some bought some from the store i bought some blueberries and i'm like you know what if i eat a handful we'll see what happens right this is part of the experimentation phase
1: right do you do you incorporate uh some dairy into your diet or not right now
0: not dairy no my, my body has never liked dairy so i having um if i run out of bone marrow to cook my food i am having uh ghee which i just cl- clarified
1: on my my own there right mm-hmm. but um yeah
0: do you, do you have ghee
1: or what yeah you, i have oh to, I, I love dairy is ghee. awesome and yeah. i i do respond okay to dairy okay. i don't do well with milks okay um i i believe I, i'd like to try raw milk and mm. i think that i probably do better with that most of the process like i better. i have a terrible time it feels like i have like sandpaper in my intestine mm-hmm. so it's not a good time but um, I do like incorporating some aged cheeses um you know it, it tastes good and it's got calcium in there and lots of other nutrients as well as uh, some Greek yogurt and it's also got uh probiotics right yeah yeah. yeah 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 so those two those Greek yogurt and some aged cheese are the only sources of dairy for me right now cool and a little bit of butter but ghee is most my my preferred kind of uh, fat if I'm gonna have like, Kind of dairy nice. derived yeah. fats. Yeah. So
0: I'm curious. Let's uh, let's go into how we differ as far as our training, and then how we differ as far as our diets, because this is just uh, an interesting thing. You know, we we both feel like probably the best we've ever felt. Um, my diet, my diet for the most part since I started eating meat has been incredibly simple. It's been like only a few different foods because I type it in on the chronometer, and I go, man, I don't I don't need to buy all these extra foods if I I don't need them, right? Um. So what what do you generally do for your exercise on any given week
1: so right now I'm actually uh, starting this challenge uh, running every day and so I've always been an endurance athlete type and um, you know I've I've always wanted to kind of build up my cardio to a point where I want to be kind of invincible Mm -hmm. you know I want to be able to run you know 100 miles a week with no issues so right now I'm eating whatever type of diet I need to to be able to support that endeavor and I'm building up my base slowly. So I'm running you know, um, a little over, probably about 60 kilometers a week right now. So still pretty basic, but I'm also incorporating a calisthenic routine after my run every day. And then a little bit of movement at night just to get my spine relaxed. If you ever heard of a yoga wheel, I'll do a little bit of myofascial release on that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it kind of helps release the trauma of childhood. (laughs) But, uh, you know, other than that, that's kind of the training side of things. I do cold showers, um, not religiously, but I usually, um, you know, I enjoy the heat as well. I'll I'll warm up and, you know, lather on some soap and it feels great. But I try to end my showers cold just because it kind of wakes me up. It feels great. Um, and other than that, I mean, I, um, I get up off my chair at work. I work at a desk job, so mm. I, I try and move around as much as I can when I'm at work, do some squats, look a little bit weird, but, um, that, that's what feels good. Right. So cool, what about cool. yourself?
0: So, uh, my training basically since being keto has been six days per week and I am doing just the typical gym workout kind of thing. My, um, back day. Yeah. Yeah. Back day is pull-ups, and then doing rows, and then doing deadlifts, um, and then some sort of supplementary row-based thing. Um, I, I also incorporate Stairmaster and or and or treadmill every day, around 10 to 20 minutes, and then doing uh, super deep yoga stretches, which are all like, a, a, it would be considered advanced postures, you know. Um, so I do that every single day. Right now, due to COVID, the gym is open for an hour and a uh, An hour and fifteen minutes, so that's as long as I'm able to go in there, and I'm there from the beginning to the end, the entire time. Um, So that's that's basically what I do, and then chest day, you know, typical chest, um, whatever you call it, bench press, military press, dips, um, weighted dips, usually. And then on leg day, doing legs and and abs. Um, not usually, not actually at all doing squats. I actually do a lot more focus on that day on the Stairmaster. So I'm going for like 20 minutes, 30 minutes um, and fast. Um, and that k- hits my butt and quads. And I do that because I want my legs to be able to do that for hiking because it's more functional. And I find squats take a lot out of me for days and they also um, make me sore. So if my friends want to go for a hike, it's usually a little bit dreadful and painful, whereas Stairmaster, I don't get any pain from. And then I also do leg press on that same day and, and, pack the weight on there so i, I still do get sore but uh, i find squats destroy me i get like extremely destroyed from that
1: yeah i i think i used to be really focused on the getting sore aspect of things but then it, you know if we're kind of trying to get back to the natural way of things if we, we were getting that. sore yeah. we were ruining our chances at survival mm-hmm. basically we're mm-hmm. increasing our chance of injury all sorts of things so it's all about that slow adaptation to the stress so mm-hmm. um you know, becoming invincible, becoming that, that that human that can handle that stress. So a lot of people just lack the patience and mm-hmm. the discipline to get out there as as consistently as possible. And it does take a little bit of extra time. Like some people, you know, they're like, okay, 30 minutes in the gym. Let's do some high intensity interval training and like get destroyed. And then I got my workout in and like you're going to see some hypertrophy right but you're not going to get the same kind of holistic results that somebody who's spending a little bit more time in the gym or a little bit more time out there running or even time resting in between sets being
0: more patient with the growth that you're experiencing in the the gym and not being so rush focused yeah yeah i would agree and i would definitely say that now that you said that i'm like i'm like well I haven't actually been getting very sore since I've been keto at all. Like I'm getting like only minor sore. So I think I I just actually realized in that moment, I'm like, I just should probably try squats again because I don't even know if I'm going to get that sore. So I haven't done them since before this. And literally I'm doing all the same weight if not more on all of my lifts um, they're feeling way more comfortable and I'm getting way less sore so um yeah I think it's time to maybe reincorporate that but so now let's us go let's go into the differentiation of diet at this point, my diet fluctuates and changes. Um, I usually follow something that's usually very strict, so right now I'm strict keto, but I may incorporate more carbs at some point, but I'm thinking of it more uh, along the lines of, and what I'm trying to focus on is ancestral diet, which is, I would be like, yo, where we live, we're eating buffalo, so I can afford cow, because buffalo cuts are super expensive, Um, (laughs) yeah, and, so I what what I'm eating is primarily just ribeye steaks and I'm having avocado and then I'm having like harvest days. So I'm going to incorporate oysters maybe like once a week or once every 2 weeks. Uh incorporate realistically berries once every week or every 2 weeks. So harvest as in like okay, you know, let's say we went and traveled somewhere and this was like a special thing we went and we went and swam right but my primary diet based on my results that i'm seeking i'm looking at those foods as being supplementary to the natural um benefits that i'm receiving just from primarily focusing on one food right so the majority of my calories are coming from from cow so literally eating avocado bone marrow and then a little bit of veggies every few days and like that's pretty much pretty much it um and then yeah having those harvest days so like having that contrast and ex- seeing what the experience is so like let's say if i have a a, a harvest day where i'm like oh i'm just going to eat like a pound of berries, let's see how that feels, right? And let's eat just one type of berry so I know what that berry feels like. Because if I were in nature and I ate that berry and I didn't feel good after, guess what? I wouldn't eat it again, right? And that's that's how we would normally know. We wouldn't be like, harvest day, I'm eating 10 different types of fruit and who knows what, you know, from 10 different continents. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much what my diet is now. I have yet to incorporate a berry day since being keto, but that's only because I want my body to be fat adapted and I don't wanna play too much yo-yo Gaming with the um, the glycogen, you know, stores and transitioning, and I, I want my body to be fat adapted before I start incorporating that too much. So, yeah, what what are, what are you doing?
1: Um, so right now, I, I I like what you're doing. I I would call that kind of like a if you ever heard of the vertical diet. Okay, um, no it's kind of like focusing on it's it's a carbohydrate based diet, but the idea is that you're kind of focusing on a select group of foods for your macronutrients and then. Uh, that would be like the vertical side. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got your beef, you got your avocados, you get your fats in, you got some bone marrow as well, mm-hmm. and then you're doing kind of like uh, a little bit of variety to get the horizontal to get the micronutrient sufficiency, right? Mm-hmm. So I like that, mm. and I, I would say I kind of do a similar thing, but I do incorporate a little bit more carbohydrates. So, for example, for me, something like uh, breakfast this morning was um, some some eggs, uh, a sweet potato, and some jalapeno mixed into the eggs like I cooked it into an mm-hmm. omelet and a little bit of aged cheddar mm-hmm. and then that would be my breakfast um so it was like a relatively low carb one sweet potato is not that many carbohydrates how, how how big of a sweet potato like a medium size Me- so medium like, size uh, like, like like that that, that big okay yeah. yeah so that's probably
0: like 250 calories or something like that
1: 200 250 200, something 250, like that yeah. yeah okay and then for lunch I I've been going pretty much like consistent with one pound of ground beef and then another sweet potato, okay. pretty much. And, that, and then I, I like jalapenos, so I mix in a jalapeno yeah, yeah. with the ground beef. Yeah. And then maybe I add a little bit. I cook the ground beef in some tallow as well. So mm-hmm. it's another pretty heavy fat. And then uh, for dinner, um, it's kind of like I'll, I'll be a little bit more variety. Usually I get home, I'm a little bit too lazy to make any sort of salad. But I have a big garden. Um and so I just munch on a couple leaves. You know, I'll take a little bit of parsley, a little bit of lettuce, little like tender greens. Mm-hmm. Um, just a couple handfuls, to be honest. And then I'll go inside and I'll have maybe similar meal. Maybe I'll have like a steak. I'll have a ribeye, cook a ribeye up, and have an avocado. So mm-hmm. that one would be usually. I have one meal a day where I don't have any overt carbohydrates, and then two of my meals have anywhere from you know one to two sweet potatoes worth of carbs mm-hmm. roughly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i mean uh, maybe still still very low carb though one yeah. to 150 carbs max a right day. right yeah 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 yeah, yeah.
0: that's that's good. And that's still, so you're a little bit more along the lines of paleo, what you can consider
1: yeah, paleo. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I have a little bit of fruit. I've, um, I've met
0: so many people though, also that have done the um, the going from, from keto to paleo. It's like a very, very uh, common transition where they're just like, okay, this much fat doesn't feel good. I'd rather lower the fat just a little bit and then increase the carbs just a little bit too. It wasn't right? even
1: necessarily the fat. Like I loved keto. I, I, I felt better in a way. But I wasn't able to maintain the electrolyte balance. Mm. With maybe if I tracked it better, mm-hmm. like um, not necessarily what I was ingesting, but what I was excreting, mm-hmm. right? And then if I w- I could, I, I might go back and try it out again, but I'd have to be a little bit more careful. And th- that's the kind of thing that's a little bit off-putting to me is like the idea of needing to track a little bit or more heavily or supplement or supplement. Forget it. Yeah. 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 And yeah. So right now I'm not taking, especially in summertime, I'm not taking any supplements. Mm-hmm. I mean. You Know going back to vegan, as I was taking, like, uh, you know, have you ever stuff. heard of Astaxanthin? Yep. You know, all yeah, all yeah, yeah. sorts of things. So mm-hmm. that's a whole different story, but yeah, right now I'm feeling really good on nothing but whole foods, whole animal foods, whole plant foods, um, and then like the occasional cheat meal, mm-hmm. maybe once a week or less. Mm-hmm. And that is just, just to kind of fit into the social setting and mm. eh, you know, have a little good time. And you I know, I uh, like it appease the taste buds
0: Mm, yeah so getting back to what's negative about the diet is not being able to like eat with your friends or friends thinking that you're like oh this person thinks they're better than than us or they they eat like a king or you know I, i feel like there's a few things because we were already talking about not prioritizing um your allotted funds to your diet in the same way, even though a lot of people spend a lot on food because they eat out. But I mean, like eh, when, when you're at home, not prioritizing your your food and then seeing people prioritize your food so much and prioritize it in a way that you're not being stingy and eating something gross, you're actually eating like a king. It can be kind of off-putting, you know, it's like, oh, what the, you know, this this, this person's doing this. Um, I wanted to ask you because I've noticed this specifically on extreme diets because I would consider keto an extreme diet. For the past five, six days, I've probably averaged about ten, ten carbs, uh, uh, ten grams of carbs per per day, um, and they're primarily from avocado. So. Have you noticed that when you're doing an extreme diet where you're having a very low amount of um, carbs and/or the opposite? I've I've done the the opposite too, which I also had a very positive experience with, which is an extremely high amount of carbs and a very low um, amount of fat. Um, do you feel like you need to have more calories in general?
1: Yes. 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 Okay. Definitely. Um, it's kind of strange, but I would. I noticed that much more on the fruitarian side of things. Oh my God, like, yeah. I think that that was because um, your body's almost like rejecting some of the calories or like there's so much bulk that it's just not even able to absorb the majority, especially when you're eating like a fiber-rich diet. Mm-hmm. Um But when I went to kind of, I've tried carnivore, right? So it wasn't even keto because like you're eating so much protein that you're kind of getting out of ketosis. Mm -hmm. I noticed that I didn't need that many calories. Like it's, I think your caloric needs are based on your protein consumption. So if you're eating a very high keto diet, you are also limiting your protein a little bit, right? So um, that's what kind of let me or led me towards a more loose diet where i mostly just focus on getting enough animal nutrition to meet my protein requirements Mm. and then some days i'm more of a fat heavy day or like even a one meal a day kind of you know i can kind of be flexible but as long as i'm meeting my protein needs i feel like i'm i just feel good you Mm. know so that was kind of what i settled on after kind of my experimentation with you know fruitarianism veganism uh, carnivorism keto. Now I've kind of gone, you know, paleo per se. Right. Have you ever heard of something called modified Atkins? No.
0: Modified Atkins. So if you're looking at the kelio, or ke- kelio, uh, keto, uh, let's let's try that again. Keto chart when you're looking at the macros. So the macros would be um, like. I don't even know, like a high amount of fat, like 85% or something like that. And then it's like 2% carbs and it's like something ridiculous. And then people will end up saying that you can have like upwards of 20 grams of carbs per day, but people will sometimes do it in a very weird way. Um, what, this diet is is higher in the protein. So it's upwards of 30 percent of your calories from protein. Um, they usually say about 25 to 30 percent. And then it's six percent of your calories ish from carbs. So that gives you actually quite a bit like for for me, if I'm eating 3000 calories a day, that's a uh, closer to like 40 grams of carbs. And then you're having like 180 to 200 grams of protein, that sort of sort of thing. Um, I'm following if I really look at my macros when I looked at it last week, that's what I was eating. And that was when I was actually having some of the best days lifting at the gym. So I'm finding a very strong correlation between if I am keto and I'm just following that. The quantity of fat that I'm consuming in uh, that equates to calories is astronomical. Like if I'm just doing um, like red meat, and avocado, I require at least 4,000 calories per day. But it doesn't really look that big. It doesn't look like a, a giant meal. You know, like four avos is 1,000 calories. I'm like, well, that was easy to eat. That was like literally a steak and an avo mash, and we're at like 2,000 calories. So, and then having cooking, having that cooked in bone marrow too. Um, So, by having that like extremely strong contrast of of uh, no carbs, I find that it does require me to have so much more food, and it doesn't necessarily feel like something which is long term sustainable. Right, or long-term, like you want to even sustain it because you're having this kind of uh, deprivation. So what I've noticed with some people too is that they have degrees of ketosis, right? So what I've found is that if you do do that, Way where you're having a really tiny quantity of carbs, like you're going between five and 10 grams of carbs per day, you do get in a deep state of ketosis. And it feels like your inflammation goes like drastically down. And whatever imbalances, if you, you know, for me, if I like break out in acne a little bit on my back or something, that's cleared up. Everything's cleared up. Uh, sleeps are cleared up. Body regulation is like perfected. But I also feel like that's something where if you stay in that state, you're kind of like in this deprivation zone, right? And then I start to find like my hormones do start to go a little bit wonky and stuff. Um, so I found that that modified Atkins kind of um, chart, whatever you call it, it was a m- macro chart. <laughs> um, that That is like my preferred ratio. So do you have like, so you, you said you you go for 100 to 150 grams of, of carbs per day. What, what would your ratio be on, on that
1: food chart? Well, I would say the ratio, it's kind of dependent on what's available in what season and also i like kind of taking the approach of metabolic flexibility right so um author rob wolf talks about this he was kind of keto heavy for a while then he kind of switched to a more paleo based approach and i think that doing keto is incredibly beneficial for short bursts of time Mm. kind of like the the thing we were talking about about like the dopamine discipline and kind of sort of going into nightmare mode or whatever so I think that just having that flexibility allows you to bring the right tools in for the job, right? So if you want to lift like heavy and go intense, you might need to introduce a little bit of honey, a little bit of carbohydrates, some berries, Mm -hmm. and that's going to help you kind of push that extra little bit in the gym. But if you're going for those like long slow low and slow training sessions like ultra endurance running style you want to get fat adapted because you're not going to be lugging around a backpack of bananas on your run right Mm -hmm. so or gels or whatever you want right? right so i think that being able to kind of you know understand nutrition to a degree where you can kind of bring in what you need for what you're doing is gonna benefit you the most in the long run. Mm. And then also just like you were saying, kind of how, um, you know, having like a berry feeding day or like, you know, just like how we would in nature. I mean, for example, um, if bears need to gain weight for hibernation, if you give them the option between salmon and berries, they're gonna go for berries. Mm. Um, They're gonna be able to gain weight on the berries a lot easier than the salmon because the thermic effect of protein is going to be way higher. So there, you know, uh, basically, if you're consuming a lot of protein, you're going to be burning a lot of that uh, calor those calories as heat energy, right? Dietary thermogenesis. Mm. And so, if you, you know, if you want to gain a little bit of extra weight, if you want to gain some extra muscle, you know, incorporating carbohydrates in your diet is going to allow you to achieve that a lot easier. Mm. Whereas something like keto uh, keto is going to be more of like a maintenance you know uh, just like chill zone you know you can kind of like coast through your day you can go a day without eating You can right pass. you can just right, like you know right. it's just you don't even think about food you mm-hmm. know what i mean whereas you know obviously the carbs kind of introduce that blood sugar roller coaster a little bit right but but again if you're eating like whole foods it's gonna be negligible mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. again i guess that was long-winded but i don't necessarily have a macronutrient ratio besides protein sufficiency and i would say that i'm probably getting anywhere between 150 to 220 grams of protein a day right yeah and I'm, then, I'm pretty close to similar. and there. then the rest it it varies from day to mm-hmm. day some days a couple days it'll be pretty high fat and then i'll go back and i'll you know i'll, I'll so, reduce so
0: carbohydrates yeah so since you've experienced that see i've I've gone from burning carbs for fuel only and this is my first time going into burning um, fat for fuel. So what is your experience like now going from potentially, I guess you're experiencing burning carbs for fuel and sometimes burning fat for fuel? Like, Do you find your body adapts back and forth or what
1: what are you experiencing there? So what I find is that um, intermittent fasting, uh, I don't do it purposefully. And some, you know, right now I'm actually kind of trying to uh, maintain muscle mass or even build a little bit of muscle mass while running. So I'm not necessarily doing the intermittent fasting thing. But when, uh, when I do, I find that, you know, if you're doing fasted cardio, you're going to drop into ketosis a lot faster than, uh, you know, if you're eating like three meals a day while doing keto. Mm. right or uh so you can start or even if you're doing one meal a day if you're eating carbohydrates in that one meal since you're going 24 23 hours without food or 22 hours without food you know we're always in some level of ketosis because we're always burning i mean you know we're in we're just talking right now right we're burning mostly fat Mm. right even even me who's eating some carbs like i'm pretty much burning fat so Mm -hmm. um Yeah, I'm definitely not going to be getting into that deep level of ketosis that and and arguably probably that deeper level of focus that comes with ketosis. But then with those longer durations of ketosis, like you were mentioning, there are those kind of those variables that start maybe getting out of whack a little bit because kind of ketosis is kind of like a starvation mode, right? Yes. right?
0: that's yes, that's, that's why I feel like I have to eat so many more calories mm-hmm. to even stay at that equilibrium point whatsoever. So yeah, yeah, so it, it is kind of like a, a starvation. It feels the same, it feels, actually almost identical to when I was on the high carb thing. So I was eating, um, for those people that don't know, 10 bananas, a giant bowl of rice, and then like three chicken breasts for um, the whole time that I was eating meat up until about a month ago, right? And and either chicken breast or, you know, sometimes I'd have a little bit higher fat days where I'd have like New York steak, but it would be like, um, this mono eating thing, which is, which is what we chatted about before, which actually did really good healing my digestion. Um, not actually even nearly as good as what I've been experiencing now when I'm in this extremely low amount of carbs each day. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. And now for me to think about it, I'm going to go, okay, well, I'm going to eat some berries. And then when I eat those berries, I'm going to be out of ketosis. And I guess it's kind of like the thing we're talking about before with the contrast. I eat those berries. I notice the contrast. I see how it feels. I see if maybe I ate too, too, too many handfuls of them or whatever. Um, to see what that flow is like, see what that roller coaster feels like. But I feel like within that contrast of going out of ketosis and then getting back into it, I think that's where our one of our like most rewarding experiences is is when we go from the place where where we get the high, we get the little dopamine hit Watching porn, we get the little dopamine hit from whatever thing that that we we do that brings us that joy, and then we get back into our our flow, right? And by re-accessing, you know, not watching porn or not uh, fapping for a, a week or four days, it's like during that time you feel good, but then you feel the need come up. It's just like it's like a natural thing. It's not so much, uh you know, I want to eat berries because I'm like craving sugar. It's like, well, I'm definitely not craving sugar, but maybe there's something in there and maybe there's, there's an experience within the, uh, the roller coaster of contrast of the blood sugar spike, right? Which um, do you find when you're in that blood sugar spike then that it um, affects you negatively? You have like energy crashes? Like what, what do you feel? Like, I do notice
1: if, so if I incorporate carbohydrates in an inappropriate time, mm-hmm. then I'm going to have an energy crash. So for example, like I find that I'd rather incorporate carbs later in the day. Because I'm probably going to get tired, and then it'll just help me go to bed, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, a lot of the a lot of the time, like w- that sweet potato I used to have for breakfast this morning wouldn't be there, and instead I'd have some some more fat, or um, you know, I, I do eat pork, but it's usually like um, you know organic kind of. Mm-hmm. It's basically like you want to make sure that the animals that you're eating are eating their appropriate diet. Of right? course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's you know, just like the vegetables you're eating, want you want them to be full of nutrition with the soil that they're in, right? So. Right. It's, it's more that that's important than necessarily like which animal you're eating, although I will say red meat is the best. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, it seems as though when, for example, if we went out and picked a bunch of berries, we're exerting a bunch of energy to get those berries or we're eating them as we're, you know, we're not mm-hmm. p- filling a basket. Maybe we're mm-hmm. just picking them as we go. And like, I mean, it's kind of like, a neutral, like you're just like existing, and you're just eating calories. To, you're just enjoying the moment, right? Mm-hmm. So, I find that that's when I ex- enjoy carbs and feel the best with carbs is when I'm incorporating them with activity. So I don't necessarily like you want to earn your carbs a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get neurotic about it, but I just find that that's excuse me. If you're at like a, a party maybe maybe you, you indulge in some alcohol well, you're gonna dance right mm-hmm. and so and that in that regard you know you burned off the carbs so it's kind of like in the right moments it feels appropriate mm-hmm. and I think that that's the best way to kind of look at carbohydrates That's what one of
0: my friends says who's been on, on the keto but regularly. Cheat, what you call it, cheats you know r- regularly we'll eat 100 grams of carbs but he said if he uh, rides his bike for whatever like two hours and he's like I've already burnt like whatever calories 1500 calories he's like if I eat five pieces of fruit he's like and then I keep going he's like I'm still in ketosis man I, I come back I pee on the, the the strip I'm still in it right It's like it didn't do anything it just ends up being the fuel that you use in the moment because it's better than going home drinking oil. And then going out, right? And he said he's he's like I've tried that. He's like it's it's better to just have the, the the carbs. Your body will hit it up quicker. And then yes, so properly timed. And I think that's one thing I wanna wanna tap into. And I think the quantity as well. So for for me, it's going to be about new uh, new transitions and new explorations and uh, and having fun. But yeah,
1: I would experiment in the beginning. So since you. It, The sweet spot I've heard is about fifty grams of carbohydrates timed before a workout, Mm -hmm. and you can kind of experiment with that. And even then,
0: for some reason, I have this psychological feeling that what will happen is I'll burn them off, and then I'll be in the crash after the workout, though. Or is that just not correct? Or would would I even be better having it in like a a, not necessarily a fruit smoothie, but like. like during, like during it. So I'm literally yeah, like burning it as that. I'm going. You can you know? do that as well. Yeah. yeah.
1: And um, experiment with different different carbs. I mean, if you really want that energy, I would I would go for something like honey. Yeah. Right. right. Um, yeah. Just because
0: some some other carnivore people actually do honey. That's that's part of their thing. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Yeah. And I mean, even. I, I know that we're not really into the milk, but there are carnivores that incorporate milk mm-hmm. that's got carbohydrates it in does it. does have worms, yeah, yeah. And so, and they, they seem to be doing very well, mm. right? Um, if you. Uh, have ever seen primal edge health on youtube he's a yet. he's a carnivore youtuber he's got like a cookbook and everything and he, he incorporates dairy into his diet and you know he, he he talks about the benefits of you know like i uh, my ancestry is uh from mongolia originally right mm. the huns came from mongolia Interesting. so um you know the mongolians were were giants compared to the rest of the asians and that's because of their their raw milk consumption mm. and so I think that there is something, I mean, there is no culture out there that completely avoided one food group, right? No vegan culture and no 100% carnivore culture. For example, the Inuits were carnivore a large percentage of the year, but when it came to summertime, of course they're going to gorge of on course, the available yeah. berries and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't for nutrition purposes, it just tasted good, mm-hmm. right? And so, <laughs> uh, you know, ultimately, like, we, we do want to leave that little window open for ourselves um because you know it's just going to make life more enjoyable Mm. and like uh, it's going to give you more vitality
0: i like it i like it this is this has been been good because we're there's very few people that i can talk to where i get into a flow and i'm learning from from you about diet and where we're having a discussion usually it's just people asking questions and you probably experience the same thing or someone trying to tell you that whatever diet you're doing isn't good and them not doing it from personal experience so it's it's been really fun to get tapped into a a flow before we started this i should have uh, got us some water or something because is your mouth getting parched or what
1: I I was like is, is this some, some special water he's been drinking? Because, uh, man, I'm, I'm getting thirsty. I'm getting thirsty, too. <laughs> and it, and we, we've
0: been talking for, like, I don't know. It's either an hour and a half or this is just on two hours, but we're, we're getting close. So, uh, yeah, this, is, this has been been great. Where can people find you? I don't know where this is, podcast is going to be posted to, but someone will listen to it at some point, all right? And they'll they'll want to know where they can find you and your your journey, whatever. I, I've seen some videos on YouTube. Yep. So, so
1: I currently am working a full-time job, so it's I can invest all my energy. Energy into it, but I am planting the seeds for my brand, "Leveled Up Human," and basically, the tagline is the whole point of life is to level up. And I'm just documenting my own journey, and I want to bring you guys along with me. Mm, sounds good, man. Leveled
0: Up Human. Keep an eye out for that, and thank you all for joining us. Thanks for coming, Peter. We'll uh, we'll do this again for sure.
1: Thank you for having me. Peace and love.